Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. We are on page seven. And we are the concluding blessing of the series of blessings. Right? If you count the blessings, if you start when you go to sleep, the blessing when you're in bed right before you go to sleep, that's one. Until it's Yadayim is two, Ashayatzer is three, Lakain Sham is four, Hanaisan Lasekhvi is five, Pekachivilim six, Matarasurim seven, Zaikov Kabufim eight, Malbasharum in nine, I'm saying right? And this one Kirch is ten, just like the added blessing. This was added later on by the Goinim, and so too the added blessing of Allah Marshinim was added hundreds of years later after the initial eighteen blessings. That's ten. Reka Aritz is eleven, Amechim Tzadigavit is twelve. Asalikal Tsarki 13, Aisovikavuda 14, Aisovikavuda 15, Tlesanigoy 16, Tlesanigoy 17, Tlesani Isha 18, and this is the final blessing, just like in the Shemun Esri. And what's the blessing? Blessed are you, God, King of the universe, who removes sleep from my eyes and slumber from my eyelids. So the Talmud says that here we're praising Hashem for removing sleep. We already said a blessing earlier when we open our eyes, but that, there we're blessing Hashem for giving us for the miracle of sight, for being able to see. But here, we leave this for the end. As the Talmud says, when a person is fully awake, when you wash your face, when you wash your face and you're finally washing away the last traces of sleep from your face, then you make a blessing for waking us up, for being fully awake. It's like the conclusion from you started waking up and you said modani and then you're washing your hands and, and at the end when you wash your face and now you're finally awake and you thank Hashem for not only waking us up from our slumber, from our inner deep sleep, but even from drowsiness. Like the last the things of drowsiness, you wash your face, now you're ready to take on the day you're fully awake. We thank Hashem for removing the sleep from our eyes and the drowsiness from our eyelids. Af'apa in Hebrew. It comes from the words like to fly because the eyelids, I think it's 60 times a, a minute, your eyelids are, are opening and closing, like fluttering, like birds, like the, the wings of a bird. It's called af'apa. Snumam me af'apa. And drowsiness from my eyelids. And now the blessing continues. This is one blessing. And that's why it says, Vihidatsan, and may it be your will. And may it be your will, Lord our God and God of our fathers, to accustom us to study your Torah and to make us cleave to your commandments. Do not bring us into sin, nor into transgression or iniquity, nor into temptation or scorn. And may the evil inclination not have mastery over us. Keep us far from an evil person and an evil companion. Make us cleave to the good inclination and to good deeds. And compel our inclination to be subservient to you. Grant us this day and every day grace, kindness, and mercy in your eyes. And in the eyes of all who behold us and bestow bountiful kindness upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, 
who bestows bountiful kindness upon his people, Israel. So why doesn't it start with a blessing? We finish with a blessing. Baruch Hashem, blessed are you, who bestows bountiful kindness on his people, Israel. Why doesn't it start with a blessing? And the answer is it does start with a blessing. This is one single blessing. That's why you don't interrupt. You don't answer Amen. If someone makes the blessing, if you hear someone make the blessing, thank you Hashem for removing sleep from my eyes and slumber from my eyelids, you don't answer Amen. Because it's one continuation. It's one blessing. And that's why we say Vihi. It's a connecting. We and may it be your will. And what's the connection to the opening of the prayer and the prayer and the conclusion of the prayer? And the beginning of the prayer, he starts out in the singular that you removed sleep from my eyes. And then you continue the same blessing, suddenly you switch to plural. Maybe you will, you should accustom us to study Torah, you should make us cleave the commandments. What's the connection between the conclusion and the opening? One blessing, a single blessing, is one single unit. The conclusion of the blessing has to, has to reflect the opening of the blessing. Thank you, Hashem, for doing kindness. What does it have to do with removing sleep? And the answer is that this is the kindness. The kindness is that Hashem renews our energy each and every day. Each and every day is a brand new day. We are fresh. We wake up fresh. We go to sleep exhausted. And Hashem wakes us up. And when we wipe away the last traces of tiredness, we feel fully energized, fully awake. Hashem recharges us. Recharges our batteries at night when we're asleep. So this is the ultimate kindness that Hashem does to us. But why are we thanking Hashem, thanking for doing kindness to the Jewish people? This is a universal phenomenon. Seven billion people wake up in the morning. And it's a kindness of Hashem that everyone goes to sleep tired and every human being wakes up refreshed. What are we specifically referring to here? the Jewish people which would explain this whole middle, this whole blessing in the middle. Because being awake, it's not just about being physically awake. Talmud says that for the wicked, sleep is a blessing for them and a blessing for the world. When they're asleep, they're not doing any damage, they're sleeping, not hurting anyone, not harming anyone, not destroying themselves. So being awake, the blessing for being awake is not just that physically I'm awake. It's not the awakefulness we're blessing Hashem for, we're thanking Hashem for. We're thanking Hashem for a different type of wakefulness. We want a wakefulness that's meaningful. It should be a meaningful life, a meaningful day. That's why in the same breath we thank Hashem for opening up, for waking us up. But waking us up only if our life is filled with content, if our life is filled with Torah, if our life is filled with mitzvot, if we are truly awake, if we're spiritually awake, then that's a life that's praiseworthy. That's a life that we can thank Hashem. And we find in the beginning, when Adam, before Hashem separated Adam into man and woman, and man and woman were one, were together, so it says, Hashem put Adam, put Adam to sleep. A yape love tardema, a deep sleep. And then Hashem operated, he separated the man and the woman, who were like back to back to each other, but were one. And it says that Hashem brought the woman before man. It doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that Hashem woke him up. 
Because the truth is, he did not wake up. Before the operation, before the separation, Adam was awake in the truest sense of the word. He was awake because he sensed godliness. He felt godliness. Godliness was palpable. That's the meaning of being awake. Otherwise, you know, we sleepwalk through life. When a person is asleep, your imagination runs wild. You imagine nonsense, stupidity, foolishness. When you're awake and you're alert and you're sharp and you're critical, you can't, you don't buy nonsense. Two plus two is four. You can't delude me that two plus two is five. But in your dream, in the dream state, two plus two could be five. The Yetzirah, the evil inclination, a person only sins when you're in a dream state, when you're asleep. The Yetzirah tries to put your, your awakeness, tries to put your intellect to sleep. It's when a person is like in a dream state of sleep, you don't realize the contradictions, the, the nonsense, the superficiality, the dead ends, the... You know, it's always the dream, you know, the craving, it's always the dream that's exciting. When a person follows his cravings, it's always a letdown, it's always a disappointment. It's never as good as advertised. <laughs> it's the Madison Avenue hype. It's the false advertisements. It's the fake news. You know, if only you did this. Oh, communism. You know how many people fell for communism? The best and the brightest. They were lulled. They were lured by the promise. Of course, when it all came down crashing in reality, once it was implemented, every time it was implemented, every single country was implemented, it was a disaster. Financially, on every level. People lost their freedoms, people lost their lives, people lost their, their money, people lost everything. Just look at Russia, Venezuela, uh, Cuba, you don't have to go, go far, Argentina. Anyone that tried this failed program crashed. But in the promise, it sounds great. We have the last living communist candidate now promising uh, free everything, and you know. The kids are running. Why not? Give me free. He's, you know, it's a way to buy election. That's the best way to buy an election. At least the other Jewish candidate is at least buying it with his own money. But this Jewish candidate wants to buy the elections with your money. You give away trillions of dollars, give everything away, free everything, erase all debts, you get everything for free, government will take care of everything. And unfortunately, uh, millions of people are falling for it. You know, there's no sense of history. You don't have to go to history. Just look down south. Look in the border, the southern border. Look at the Venezuela. But, but this, that's how evil works. Evil works in the promise. When you're in a dream state, when you're in imagining, your imagination runs amok. Oh, if only if I can f follow my lust. Ah, I'll be the happiest person in the world. I'll feel free. I can be happy. I can do whatever I want. Do as I please. But of course, it never works out. It's all an illusion. It's completely delusional. So, Adam, when Hashem put him to sleep, and ultimately he was expelled from the Garden of Eden, mankind remained asleep. We are like sleepwalking. We don't see, we don't sense, we're not sensitive, we don't feel, we're like 
sleepwalking, we're walking blindly. Now the Jewish people had a few moments when Hashem opened our eyes. The giving of the Torah, splitting of the sea, the exodus from Egypt, the 40 years in the desert, the prophets. Hashem gave us glimpses when they crossed the Jordan. Hashem gave us glimpses. There are moments. You know, it's like the people who were blind and there was one blind person who was cured for one day, for 24 hours. And he became the leader of the pack. Even though he became blind, he went back to sleep, he became blind again. But at least he saw. At least he had that experience of seeing. So for the first time, he saw the beautiful smile of a child. He saw the beautiful face of his wife. He saw trees. He saw life. So even when he became blind, he was able to lead the rest of the blind people. Say, listen, this is, this is what I've seen. I've seen. This is what I saw. So the Jewish people had a few precious moments of being awake, of truly being awake in the deepest sense of the word of being awake, of having that clarity and seeing the truth and experiencing the truth. That's what we're thanking Hashem for. So we're asking Hashem. Yes, we're blessing Hashem for waking us up, washing our face, getting rid of the last traces of being tired, of drowsiness. We're ready to face the day with new energy. But we're asking Hashem, we're praying to Hashem. We want to be truly awake. Not just in the superficial sense of being awake, but in the deepest sense of being awake, being spiritually awake. And the only way to do that is through Torah mitzvot. Hashem gave us Torah mitzvot. Hashem gave us so much help. If we want to do the right thing, Hashem gave us so much help. We have Torah. We have if you study Torah, if you're busy studying Torah every day, if you do mitzvot every day, and all day and every day. And we also have a yetzatoyv. We have a part within us that wants to do right, that's trying to get us to to do the right thing, that's pulling us in the right direction. So Hashem gave us all this help. But we have to want it. There's no substitute for freedom of choice. We're not asking Hashem to do it for us. Because the question is, what are we asking Hashem for? You should accustom us to study Torah. Hashem, you should make us cleave to mitzvah. You should not bring us to sin. What do you mean you? What does Hashem have to do with it? Isn't that the whole essence, the foundation of Judaism, that we have freedom of choice? Hashem does not mix in. He does not get involved. He leaves us the choice. And it's totally our choice. We have freedom of choice, free will. So what are we asking Hashem for? So some say, we find in King David and the Psalms, many times asking Hashem, help me, even even to ask for spiritual help. Because we're not asking Hashem to make the choice for us. We're asking Hashem to enable us, to be an enabler, an enabler, to make us cross paths with those who can encourage us, to make us have experiences that will inspire us. Even when Hashem will do all of this, ultimately it's our choice. We still have to make that choice. This could only be a help to us if we choose it should be a help to us. As the Talmud says, Hashem leads a person in the path that he desires. You want to do good? Hashem will open the way and enable you and make it easier for you. If a person wants to sin, Hashem will 
will get out of his way. He'll make it easy for you to sin. Whatever path you choose, Hashem will enable you. Ultimately, it's your choice. Hashem never takes away your choice. The Shalah Kaddish says something unbelievable. He says that we do find that sometimes Hashem does remove, take away a person's choice. Where do we find it? By Paro. Hashem hardened his heart. The last five plagues, Hashem hardened his heart. And yet he was punished. Hashem says, you don't let the Jewish people go. I'm going to punish you with another plague. With a seventh plague. But what do you mean? Hashem hardened his heart and for the sixth plague. Even if he wanted to let the Jewish people go, he couldn't let the Jewish people go. Hashem hardened his heart. How could you punish someone if he's a puppet? This is the whole essence of Judaism. That we're not puppets. And that's why there's reward and punishment. If we're puppets, how could there be reward and punishment? How could Hashem punish us? It's like cruel. How can you punish someone if he's a puppet, if he had no choice in the matter? And how could you reward someone? He doesn't deserve a reward. He really had no choice. He's just a puppet. So why was Parai, why, why was Parai held responsible? And the answer is, because that itself was his punishment. Just like Hashem punishes a person, when you make bad, poor choices, Hashem punishes you. One of those punishments is that Hashem will remove from you the freedom of choice. Although it's human nature, Hashem gave us nature, mind over matter, a person could control himself. But this was a punishment that Hashem punished this in the parry and He took away from him his freedom of choice. But that punishment was a result of his freedom of choice. Because he had freedom of choice and he chose poorly. So that was his punishment that Hashem lost, he lost his freedom of choice. And that's why he continued to be punished. Because that itself was also his fault. The fact that he lost his freedom of choice was also his fault. So his punishment was a continuation of his poor choices. It was a consequence for his bad choice, poor choice. So the Shalak other says that we know that the power of good is so much more powerful than the power of negative, of negativity. So if when it comes to the negative, we have this idea that Hashem, out of punishment, Hashem will remove from that person his freedom of choice. How much more so in the good? If a person does so much good and he makes so many wise choices, Difficult choices. And yet he chose to do the right thing. Why can't we say that one of the rewards that Hashem will give this person is he'll remove from him the freedom of choice to do negative. <laughs> if Hashem could harden Padre's heart, remove from him the freedom of choice to do the right thing. So if a person does the right, the right thing, chooses well and chooses to do the right thing, Hashem could reward him. And what would be his reward? that he will remove from him the option of sinning. He will take away his freedom of choice. And even that will be a reward, even the good that he'll do afterwards, and the reward that will continue to accumulate, will be as a result of his original freedom of choice, that he chose well. And that's the reward. Hashem will take away his evil inclination and all the good things that will follow as a result. All the mitzvot and the continued reward will all be as a result of his original choice. So we are asking Hashem, the Shalak said, we could ask Hashem that remove from me the Yetzirah. We're asking Hashem that you help me that I should do the right thing and I should, lear I should learn Torah, get used to studying Torah because we have to get used to studying Torah. We should get used to studying Torah, something that we should do every day. In the beginning, it may be hard study Torah, you know, once a week, you come to a class, and even that's so too difficult. 
but you ask Hashem that He should help us get used to studying Torah. It should be something that we're used to. It's part of our, it's part of our daily activity. We study Torah. It becomes part of my life. I study Torah. Because it's only by constantly studying Torah that that will protect us from, from all the negativity, from the Yetzirah. That will keep us out of trouble. If your mind is occupied with studying Torah, that will lead you, that will keep you busy. That will keep you away from all the negative things. And it's not enough to study Torah. Leading studying Torah will lead you to do mitzvot, to act. So we ask Hashem, make me cleave to your commandments. Not only I should do the commandments, but I should do it with love. I should want to do the commandments. It should be a joyful experience. I should connect with it. The mitzvah should inspire me. I should look forward to it. It's not that I'm doing it begrudgingly out of rote or by force. I have no choice. But I should connect with the mitzvah. It should, like, it should be... My whole being should do the mitzvah. I should feel attached to the mitzvah. And then he says, Don't lead me to sin. What do you mean? Hashem is leading me to sin? <laughs> Hashem doesn't lead me to sin. We lead ourselves to sin. You can't blame Hashem for our sins. But you're telling Hashem, listen, if you're not going to help me, if you're not going to help me study Torah, you're not going to help me do mitzvah, then it's as if you yourself led me to sin. The Talmud says, that just like Hashem renews our life each and every day, each and every day we wake up brand new, fresh, a brand new day, so too Hashem also renews the Yetzirah every day. Every day we have a new Yetzirah, a new challenge, an inner challenge that tries to stop us from doing the right thing. See, even though yesterday I vanquished my evil inclination, and yesterday I had a good day, and I followed the right path, and my whole day was filled, the whole day, with goodness and wholesomeness and godliness. But now it's a new day. I can't rest on my laurels. I can't say, well, I'll just coast along. I'll just continue where I left off yesterday. No. Every day is a brand new day. Every day there's a brand new Yetzirah. And it's a brand new fight. And if Hashem would not help us, the Talmud says... We would not be able, we would succumb. We wouldn't be able to withstand the Yetzirah. There's so many obstacles from within and from without, from us doing the right thing. There's so many things trying to stop us from within and from without. If Hashem would not help us, we would succumb. So we're asking Hashem to please help us. If you won't help us, then it's as if you're leading us to sin because there's no way in the world I can overcome this constant challenge, this constant barrage this constant assault, this constant attack. Yitzhahara is not asleep, Yitzhahara is alive. And every day it's a new life. And it grows with you. And every day it plots and it schemes and comes up with ingenious ideas. How am I going to get you off track today? So every day it's a brand new battle. It's a fresh battle. So we ask Hashem, please, don't lead me to sin. Don't bring me to sin. And not only I shouldn't come to sin, I shouldn't even come to the handle of sin, even close to sin. Don't bring us into sin, to the hands of sin. And not to the hand of Aveda of oven. What's the difference between a sin, an Aveda, an oven, transgression and iniquity? 
A chet means when you do something unintentional. By mistake, you did something wrong. Avain, the third one, means you do it intentionally. Aveira is somewhere in between. Aveira means that you're succumbing to pleasure. You're addicted. You, you, you want to indulge. You just love it so you can't help yourself. So in a way, it's like you're forced. You can't help yourself. I, I would r- like to be able to overcome the sin. But it's just too tempting. <laughs> the temptation is too strong. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I don't like it. I wish I had the strength not to do it. But uh, it's a weakness. I just can't. The temptation is too powerful. I just succumb. It's not, an, it's not a mistake. And I'm not doing it intentionally. I'm not doing it in spite. I'm a good Jew. I, I want to do the right thing. But <laughs> it's just too tempting. Hashem, I just can't help myself. So that's called, that's called Aveira. So we ask Hashem to protect us because it, it's, it's a downhill, it goes from bad to worse. First you start with a sin. And the nature of sin is one sin leads to the other sin. Aveira gedetis Aveira. Because it's a negative energy. You do something wrong, you create a negative energy. And that negative energy becomes a pull that pulls you towards another sin. And then it, then it becomes worse till you become, you start doing it in spite. Even if, you, even if you're not enjoying it, you just don't care about your Judaism anymore. And then you're just doing it in spite, you do it intentionally. It, it's a downhill spiral. But you want to nip it in the bud. How do I nip it in the bud? He's nipping in the bud by starting out with studying Torah. If your life is filled with Torah, if every day you're busy with studying Torah, your mind, your heart is studying with Torah, your mind is filled with Torah, and your heart is filled with a devekut to mitzvot, now you feel a love, you want to do the mitzvah, you want to do something godly, you want to do godly things. You want to connect with godliness. You want to connect with Hashem. So you want to do the mitzvah and you cherish the mitzvah and you love the mitzvah. If your days are filled with Torah and mitzvah, that will protect you. That will make sure that you won't even come to do an unintentional sin. And surely you won't go downhill from there. You won't come to do, uh, to succumb to temptation. And you won't come, surely you won't come to sin intentionally, like carelessly. We stop caring about the Yiddishkeit and your relationship with Hashem. And he says, the loyli de nisoyen. And save us from a test. The loyli de vizoyen and save us from scorn. King David asked Hashem that in the prayers, he says, Elekei Avram, Elekei Yitzchak, Elekei Yaakov. He says, why don't you say, Elekei David, the God of David. So Hashem answered to David because Avram was tested with ten tests. You were not tested. So David says, you know what? Test me. Hashem tested him. That was the test with Bathsheba. And he failed the test. And that's why we don't say Elikei David. And the rest of his life, he was atoning for that sin. So even though the purpose of the Nisayan, the purpose of the test is to elevate us, to elevate us to the highest level, but nevertheless, we ask Hashem, don't bring me, don't test me. Even the tzaddik who's 119 years old and 350, 54, the last day of his life. <laughs> He's a tzaddik. 
all of his life, 120 years, the last day of his life, he wakes up in the morning and he asks Hashem, please Hashem, don't test me. Even though we're constantly being tested, we're constantly bombarded with tests, from within and from without. But we shouldn't seek it out, we don't ask. We ask Hashem, please don't test us, because it's very difficult. And, and we don't always pass the test. Most of the times we, we don't pass the test. So even though Hashem is doing it for our benefit, to elevate us, Nisayon comes from the word Nes, to lift us up. And it's the ultimate vote of confidence that Hashem has in us by giving us the test. That means He has full confidence that we have what it takes to overcome the test. Otherwise, He wouldn't give us a test that we cannot handle. That itself is the greatest vote of confidence. And that itself should inspire us to be able to overcome the test. But the fact is, if we don't withstand the test, it's going to lead to bizarre, it's going to lead to embarrassment and to shame. We'll feel terrible that we failed the test. And if anyone else finds out about it, it's going to lead to shame. So we ask Hashem, please don't test us. Don't test. And then we say, The Yitzhah shouldn't have any control in us. The truth is that we're given, to, we have two judges, right? As we learn in the Tanya, Perikid Beis, Perikid Gimel, the 13th chapter, a person was given two judges, the Yitzhah and the Yitzhah. Each one of them really only has one vote, one opinion. Doesn't mean he has control. You have a say, you have an opinion. And the opinion follows the majority. So it says if Hashem, Hashem helping the Yitzhah so then it becomes two against one. So it overrides the Yitzhah He has a voice. He has an opinion. He throws a temptation into our mind. We're tempted to do the wrong thing. But we don't listen to the Yitzhah because Hashem helps us. We're praying this prayer. We're praying to Hashem, please help me. So when Hashem helps us, then the Yitzhah has no shlita, has no control. He has an opinion that we can't control. That he shouldn't have an opinion that we don't control. We shouldn't be tempted to do something wrong. We're not a tzaddik. 99.9% of us, we do have a Yetzirah and we will have a Yetzirah until Mashiach comes. We don't, it's, not, it's not in our control. So he will have a, uh, an opinion. But we ask Hashem to help us that he shouldn't have any control. That he shouldn't be able to implement his desires. I may be tempted. The moment I have a negative thought, I dismiss it. I'm tempted to say something wrong. I don't say it. I don't do it. I don't act in it. So by Yishlip and Yitzhak, shouldn't have any control over us. But this is all from within. Now we're also asking Hashem to help us with those around us, those who can influence us negatively, our friends, our neighbors, our business associates. Distance us from Adam Ra, from an evil person. Terrible person, evil person. A nasty person. Which can harm us. This person can try to stop us from doing the right thing. Stop us from doing Torah and mitzvot. Stopping from living a Jewish life. He's a bad person. He can really, really interfere and get in our way. And then we add, Mechavara. From a bad friend. A bad friend who's not a bad person. He's a good person. He's a nice person. He's a kind person. He's a best friend. He loves me. I love him. He's a great person. But he doesn't share my values. He doesn't have the same value system that I have. His lifestyle and his whole value system, maybe due to no fault of his own, but his whole value system is not the same as my value system. He doesn't value, appreciate the Torah, the mitzvah, being Jewish. So we ask Hashem, help me 
from that person because he could be a bad influence on me. 